Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. You know when you've made a decision to buy a new car, and from that moment on, you start seeing that car everywhere you go? Well, the topic of today's episode feels a bit like that to me right now. It doesn't matter whether I'm listening to the radio, or watching TV, or reading a newsfeed. I keep seeing the topic of leadership kindness popping up everywhere. I keep seeing, hearing, and reading leaders saying that kindness at work, employee well-being, and working conditions are all important things. And that's great. I'm all for that message. It's genuinely fab to hear these CEOs and leaders talking about stuff like no email weekends, forced breaks and holidays to enable mental health, reduced travel hours, and all that jazz. I love it. Genuinely, I really do. But Andy, the topics aren't necessarily new, I hear you say. And you're right. But it's the interview questions and answers that are the standout thing for me. I keep hearing interviewers ask these leaders, so are you not doing work emails on the weekend then? Did you take all your holiday entitlement last year? And whilst they've given slick, polished, rehearsed answers to the announcement of their new policies, they've often floundered with these seemingly simple questions, answering, well, it's different for for me. I don't expect my people to work like me, and stuff like that, which is where I have the problem. Firstly, burnout isn't only applicable to the masses. It affects leaders too. And then whether you like it or not, the behaviour of that leader influences others to do the same. So if you're saying, don't email on the weekend, but you're doing it yourself, don't be surprised if people end up doing email on the weekend, then find they can't separate work from home, they get stressed, they burn out, they fall over and they leave. And yes, I'm being deliberately dramatic to make a point. Look, as a leader, most things start with you. That includes those well-being, balance and mental health things too. So why is it different for leaders? Is it different for leaders? And why do some leaders find it hard to be kind to themselves. And at the end of the day, what can they do to change? Well, my guest today is Jen Hope, who's going to help us look at some of these questions. And Jen is a business and executive leadership coach with over 20 years executive experience. She knows what it's like to be a leader who's responsible for scaling up and looking after the employees in her care. But she also understands the need for kindness in business, and that it really does start with a leader. 
Now, I can't wait to hear her views and advice on this stuff. So enough from me. Welcome to the show, Jen. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great, Andy. Thank you. How are you? I'm okay, mate. I'm really excited to hear your views on this topic because, as I just sort of said, I keep hearing this stuff is really important, but then I keep hearing leaders seem to make the same sort of comments that say, yeah, it's really important for my people, but don't include me in that, which which I think is a bit strange. So I'm looking forward to digging into that. But look, it'll be lovely just to get a bit of a, a heads up from you as to who you are and what you do and, and what's taking up your time at the moment. Yeah. So I am an executive and leadership coach. Uh, I'm based out of Seattle, Washington, and I have uh, been working as an executive coach in a full-time capacity for nine years. I started this coaching practice um, as I was ending a career in marketing. So I spent the first 15, 18 years of my career working in marketing, both in the agency world and then for brands and for scaling startups here in the Seattle area. So I helped grow a couple of uh, high growth startups and uh, was there myself as a leader, scaling up, scaling an org on a high growth, you know, that hockey stick, doing that hockey stick thing um, (laughs) and trying to figure it all out um, and and um, managing myself and, and people as well and taking care of others. Um, in that, I think a lot of what you talked about, um, standing at my kitchen counter, eating my dinner, doing work, uh, that's, you know, that <laughs> falling over thing. And uh, we don't work in really late nights. So I think I've been there myself, um, definitely related to some of the things you talked about. Hey, we've both worked in marketing. So we know the kind of eating on the go dripping stuff over your laptop, you know, there's not enough hours in the day, all that kind of stuff. Not just about marketing, but I empathize. I've been, I've definitely been in that place. But I think it's going to be really interesting hearing from you with your, you know, the exec hat on that you've had and the coach hat on, because there's lots of people that sort of say stuff, but it's, I like to listen to people who've been there, done it, and now can kind of give advice. I think that comes with a bit more credence for me. So, right. Where do we start? Let's start right at the beginning. This kindness thing at work, this not new. And do you, well, firstly, why is it important, Jen, this kindness thing? Let's just start right at the base level. Is kindness at work an important thing or a nice to have? It's difficult to show that we care, which I do think is critical, mm-hmm. if we don't have the capacity for showing kindness as well. That's, that's gen, that's, you know, that's a gen orientation. I don't know. I don't know about others, but that, that, if I'm looking through those lens um, of, you know, of caring personally, which I do think is a critical element. Thank you, Kim Scott. Um, then we do have to show kindness. And, and also I think, you know, if I take it a step further, there's that capacity. So our capacity for kindness in, affects our capacity for kindness out. So to, to your point, it does start with us. How kind can we be? How how do we find those places for the space, the pause versus uh, what we tend to do, which is kind of, you know, beat ourselves up. And leaders particularly seem to have a bit of an issue with beating themselves up or excluding themselves. In your experience, what, why do you think that is? High achievers at times. Right. We find that for some folks, I don't know if you've seen this, but for some folks, I think we learn early on about success and we're reinforced in our patterns that if we work harder, we're doers, whatever, you know, whatever that means. Uh, and so we get kind of caught in this loop. We get 
caught in this reinforced loop of if I work harder, if I do more, if I spend more hours, I am the machine and it is all affected by my force kind of into the beast. Yeah. I mean, leader doesn't mean do everything. That's not the definition of leader here, right? but it's a trap that people often fall into. Right. And I, I think it's, I think it's very interesting about this kindness thing, because even asking you the question feels awkward, right? If I have to say to you, is kindness important, Jen? I mean, I, I feel my flesh creep at even the question, right? Because it just feels daft. I'd almost like to rephrase it. Why is kindness not important? I mean, that's to me a more interesting question. It goes along with the with the, the probable comeback that will come from some people. So what's the ROI on kindness? I mean, that sounds even worse, right? So I think we're probably in a similar space. From where you're coming from, where I'm coming from, from what I seem to be hearing, these things are important, but we want to focus in today on the struggle, it seems, that leaders have in including themselves in that stuff. So, I mean, you've mentioned Kim Scott today. Kim Scott, right? Radical Candor, or, yeah. All right, Radical yeah. I love, I love that model. Um, if, if anyone listening hasn't looked at the whole Kim Scott Radical Candor thing, where have you been? Where have you been? This is a model you need to understand. This is a... This is a model that talks about caring personally and challenging directly, right? I mean, it's it's a wonderful, simple two-by-two two thing. But I guess under the skin of this is, you've mentioned it already, getting comfy with yourself, right? So if we take some lessons from Kim Scott, Jen, in your, in your perspective, where do we start with this getting comfy from yourself and what lead does Kim give us? I think one of the things that she does so well is she sets that the non-negotiables, those places where, you know, she, you know, she tells a great story about finding for herself what those non-negotiables are. And for some of us, this is really, it's an exercise in noting over time, what do we find those things that build that foundation, right? Help us build the pillar that is us and support us. So, you know, she gives some, you know, her non-negotiables being eating uh, breakfast and dinner with her family, spending four weekends away a year with um, her husband, and then a large family trip uh, with like more extended family. And I love this. Um, and she also tells another great story about a CEO in times of stress who uh, will go to the gym twice a day, right? Because this is what is needed for to like stand up this pillar that is a leader. And, you know, I, I relate so much with all of those things, right? Like I, <laughs> I think I, I, all of those, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Those all, all those all work for, great for me. I mean, I would add to it some of those others um, like, you know, mindfulness, right? Like those are, those are some of the tools that, you know, I need 10 minutes. My family knows this. I need 10 minutes of quiet in the morning, headphones in, because that is what stands up the pillar that is me for the day. And I think I think that's one of those great places, knowing what those things are, knowing for us those um, those necessities that that help us really, if we're going to care personally, like it's starting kind of pointing at ourselves. So that first piece of having your non-negotiables, as, as you call them, what, what over time has that done for you, Jen? I mean, you talked about it setting up the pillar for the day, but on a long-term basis, what's the effect of understanding those things? I mean, we talked about that pause for a second, but I do think that pause, the pause, and I mean the pause between thought and reaction, right? And even like thought, take a breath, and then act 
that has really, really, I mean, that's changed my my professional life, my personal life, having that space between this is a thought I can now name it as a thought and then, and then do the next thing that has been remarkable (laughs) what that's done for my life. And it sounds silly, but there's this moment where we get to have some intentionality. There's a moment where we get to even think the next thought, which might be then judgment about what our thought was. And I have found being able to name some of those things, name a thought, name that next thought, name the emotion that goes along with it. That process has been so helpful um, in my relationships. It's been so helpful in even you know validating myself uh, to say like, oh, hey, I noticed that I was having this thought. It was cranky. It was, you know, judgmental. It was um, an emotion or a need that I, you know, noticed for myself. Understanding that has been I'm not to overstate, but pretty game changer. I think it's so interesting. And these things all about timing is is fascinating for me because I'm personally doing a a bit more training uh, on getting some qualifications for a personality profiling trait tool called Lumina Learning. It's really, really good based on the big five and a bit of Jungian stuff. It's fantastic. But there's a piece of the, uh, the setup of all this stuff, which I think was a Viktor Frankl quote which is so in line with what you just sort of said and i i will absolutely ruin this quote so no one quote me on it but it's something like that pause between stimulus and reaction is kind of where we find ourselves right so th- where your natural preferences traits and the thing you've just sort of described there and i realize i've probably really butchered that quote but it is that gap in the middle that giving you an opportunity to make sense of the stimulus and choose a reaction, you know, choose to behave in, in a certain way. And I, I guess what I take out of what you're saying is the more the more you understand yourself, the, the more you understand how you might react, the more you can take the right appropriate action going forward. And, and understanding that greater sense of self is what I would call bedrock, right, of, of any kind of leadership approach, having a good understanding of yourself. But training yourself to be comfortable with that silence is tough, right? I mean, when you're coaching people, I mean, do you pick this sort of stuff up yourself? Do you, you talk to them about embracing this silence? And what's what sort of reactions do you get? Uh, does everybody kind of embrace it or do some people like really struggle with it? Oh, I mean, I think the, the go-to is, is the struggle. Right. <laughs> like that, we're ta- it, This is the opposite of, of what we're taught in a lot of ways, right? Like, I don't know about you. I don't know about, you know, the system, how you grew up, but I know for the system where I grew up, we were in go mode, right? Yeah. Like you, you start the day, you get the kids, you do the lunch, you, you know, whatever it is, like we just, we kind of, you know, especially now you pick up your phone. I mean, it's go mode from the moment our eyes are awake. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's really counter. And then when we do sit down, if this is not something that we've practiced, those early things that we start to see and feel and experience, if we've not experienced it, like we need to like really, 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 um, what's titrate our exposure, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. it is, it's, it is not easy. Like I think one of the most annoying things about working with my wonderful therapist is her telling me about sitting with my emotions, right? Like to like sit and experience and experience the body, right? Like, and, and what do we notice? Like it is, that is 
oof, life lesson, life work. And for me personally, life work, right? Like to, to sit and to be. And um, so we do start small and we can even start with things like, you know, moving meditation, things like yoga or walking, like mindful that if we do have a very, very busy mind, which we do, um, unless we've trained it and yeah. it's, it can be, I mean, downright painful, right. To experience some of these things that we've not uh, spent time with yet. And so when you're starting that first conversation with, I don't know, a new exec coach, E, right. Yeah. How do you start that conversation? In, because if they're coming to you, yeah, they reckon they're good in a good place, right. Cause they recognize they need some, some help. Right. So they, they're clearly at a point where, okay, I need to take a bit of better care about <laughs> of, of myself, but won't necessarily be comfy with some of the things that you're going to get them to do uh, eventually. So how do you, how do you start that consultation? What's the sort of first sort of conversations that you go through? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we'll do, we'll practice like in session. So I can guide a very brief mindfulness exercise where we just do a little bit of breathing. And even if it's only in, you know, a moment or two a week or every couple of weeks, then we're practicing, right? We're just spending that time there. And even for some folks, uh, not being alone mm. in it, you know, with their permission, if we can go there and I ask folks to to make a little bit of space for that in our sessions, just to practice a little bit of breathing, right? Even not doing it alone, we, you know, can take some of the judgment away if we're there with another person, if we're there with someone who maybe, hopefully they're starting to trust if we're, if we're working together um, and we can build that trust over time and we can make it a little bit, um, less stressful, even there being less judgment, if you're doing it with another person, um, this, you know, this person, me gets to, you know, be so silly and close my eyes and guide us through, maybe we can find a little bit of space, um, to find that space. And for others, there's, there's, let's just take a brief walk outside and that's our mindfulness exercise. Some folks it's writing, right? We, if we want to explore things like you know, what's happening in our mind, we can journal in a, in a more mindful way, asking ourselves some provoking questions, those types of things. Uh, where, where this person is comfortable, that's where I'm going to go. It's definitely not like a one-size-all mm. uh, approach. And do you think this training, do you see it act as some kind of trigger to understand this being kind to yourself? Does, does going through this process then really manifest itself in this the, the the leader going okay now right i now recognize that i do need to be kind to myself there is a benefit to it and mm, we can get into the other behavior stuff later on but i mean do, does it act as a real trigger um for, for people or is it i don't know i i guess i'm trying to find out if whether people really get it quite quickly or is there a big old journey to kind of go through yeah so it's not immediate no. I'm totally honest, right? It, I think what I find in a six month period of working with someone, we'll talk about it enough. We'll use words like like judgment. We'll use words like kindness. We'll use tools, kind of like I'll throw a flag, you know, in 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 a coaching session where I'll say like, "Hey, do we notice the judgment in that? Do we notice?" Um, you know, even some of the narrative, right? Like if I hear some of the same stories or the same. Um, same themes, I can kind of hold up that gentle mirror that says like, what do we notice? And even, you know, and ask the questions that say, or, you know, name it if it's in the room at times saying like, I hear some harshness. Hmm. Can we even just give that 
a voice because we only hear what's in our own head. So we don't even know. We don't know to others. Does it sound, you know, does it sound unkind? We may never say it to another person the way we think it about ourselves, but without someone else really in the process with us there to kind of raise the flag and say, Hey, what do you notice about that thought? Or, or, or what do you hear when I kind of read this back to you? Then I think we can start to insert, okay, we have got, we've got awareness now, like we talked about the pause, then maybe on the other side, we can get to behavior change, or even just an awareness that maybe then we get to start to insert uh, something new uh, on the other side of that pause. That's really interesting as well about if I, if I understand you correctly, listening to what you're saying to yourself and saying, if you said that to somebody else, would that be kind or would that be cruel? I mean, that's a really interesting reframing thing, right? Because there must be stuff that we do to ourselves that ah, we just brush it off, right? It's, that's fine. I can do that. But if you voice it and say it out, <laughs> say it out loud and it said, right, you were going to say that to a colleague, a friend, whoever, oh my God, that would be awful. I mean, do you, do you, do you see that happen in, 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 in your sessions? I mean, I see it happen in my own head every day. And of course I see it happen in my own sessions, right? We would never, you're driving your car and you're like, oh, blah, blah, you know, you, t- you do something silly and then you've got all of this judgment about it, right? Or uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true for, for others, but it's definitely true for me. I do some really silly ass stuff and I'm sure that I've got, you know, loops about it. But And I, and I definitely see it in working with others, right? We would have so much compassion for a friend in our position. And I challenge folks to imagine themselves, you know, sitting on their front step or sitting on the couch next to their, their best friend, that person who would be the most empathetic, if that's whoever that might be and tell them what they need to hear. And imagine that's how the conversation went instead. Mm. Right. I, you know, I imagine, um, you know, how we would tell it to like a a tiny kid, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, you know, that young kid, we would, we would call it a mistake. We would call it, you know, not a big deal, right? We would give ourselves the space to say like, Hey, we're resilient, pick ourselves back up and we can move forward. But as, as adults, we don't have that, right. It turns into something much bigger and reinforces whatever kind of negative loop we've got playing at the time. So it's, it's, it is, I think, come back, coming back to this question about is kindness really important? Yes. Is kindness for leaders really important? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a massive believer of, you, you know, when you sit in the aircraft and they go through the whole drill and if an oxygen mask comes down from the ceiling, please make sure you put your own mask on before you go and try and do your kids. You know, you, you can't save your kid if you're not breathing, right? So I guess to extend the metaphor back into business, what we're really talking about here is getting leaders in a position where they feel in a good, safe space themselves, they've been they they recognise the need for the pause, for time out, for time for themselves, for for that important list of non-negotiables, so that they can balance everything out. Just because they may well be that go get and do everything kind of leader they want to be, you know, that doesn't last forever, right? You, you need to temper it with some of this stuff. And your approach sounds wonderful and gentle and very supportive, but. I don't know. I hear some stories about a far more extreme kind of kind of, of approach. Are you aware of any of these kind of other other methods that people will have about being like really mega kind to themselves? Because I don't know, that feels a little awkward to me. Yeah, um, I I mean I do definitely, and I there's a couple of things. One, um, I will 
personally today, as we are are chatting, I'm in the middle of a high five challenge of high fiving oh. myself in the mirror. <laughs> I don't know how radical that seems to you, Andy. I can imagine I, you might be slightly cringy oh, on, come on. on the other side. I'm British. I'm bristling with hives at this point going, what? I love it. What's I that? love it. I love it. So uh, I'm I'm listening to a book right now by uh, a woman named Mel Robbins, and Mel Robbins is a um, is a coach, um, and you know, she wrote a book called The High Five Habit, and uh, also wrote a couple of other books on uh, some things about five five second rule and things like that. And uh, it's about high fiving yourself in the morning. So you know you you get out of bed and while you brush your teeth or while you you know do whatever you do in the mirror, you give yourself a high five. And she's got lots of science behind it about why it works and why it's even more powerful than, you know, mantras and some other things, which I can even imagine. I can even imagine if I told you, if we start talking about mantras, I think we might, you might just shut your computer off. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a, it's a good job. This is an audio podcast because people will just look at my face going, what? He looks scared. Yeah. Visibly, <laughs> visibly shaking right now, Jen. So look, I, but I, look, that's just me. This other stuff, this works for, works for people. How's the high five thing going with you? Is it, is it working? I kind of love it. I kind of love it. Well, that's I really great. do. It's, um, you know, I, I think I had a coach who at one point um, told me a story about how she wakes up in the morning, throws her arms around herself and says, good morning, honey. I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Um, for those of you right now, Andy is actually holding his head. It's painful. This thought is paining him right now. Oh, no, <laughs> I, 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 that's the most awkward thing I could think of person uh, right i mean agreed and and you know if this is if this is what we needed as a kid that we maybe didn't get and this is really where we want to push ourselves i there's power in it right there's power in giving ourselves what we need and doing the nurturing that you know makes us our best selves so for me currently high five the high five is as far as i'm going these days <laughs> but I, I don't know maybe we maybe someday we work we work up to the big old squeeze for myself hey I, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna have a go at the high five i'm i'm not going near the hug right now that's that's okay, that's too advanced for me <laughs> Far too advanced for me. But look, I think it takes all sorts, right? I think, and this is the thing, you've got to find a thing that works for you. None of your clients are all going to like to do the same thing, are they? You're going to show them a whole bunch of different things and they're going to choose what's right for them. Same same as everywhere else. Um, and I think that makes makes sense. I've stopped shaking now from the, the hug thing. So I feel okay, comfortable I'll enough to back. kind of move on. Um, thank you for that. So let's come back to the whole leadership stuff. Yes, they got to understand themselves. But what do we need more from from leaders? Do you think to sort of spread the message a bit more about the kindness thing, so it becomes, you know, a bit more deep rooted rather than a veneer of no email at the weekend type stuff. What do you what do you think we need, Jen? Well, there is practicing. You know, I think you're pointing to some of this, which is is really doing it, right? Yeah. And yeah. and showing it. I think one of the things that you know in mentioning um, time off and time away, right? It is this word. And I don't know how, I hope this word is okay for you. Boundaries. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a practice here too. Right. So, you know, we've talked, we started, we started today talking about practicing some of these best practices, which is, there is a layer in the work that I do of accountability for that. Mm. 
mm. that says we are going to, yeah, we would tell our folks to please not work the weekends or please X or Y, right? And then we go ahead and do the same. And so there really is that practice to root this into place where folks see this. They, I mean, if, is this truly in our culture? Is this a part of the organizations that we're building? So I think that really shows up here. Oh, I so agree with that. I mean, you know, from from my side of the coin on the on the sort of engagement and cultural pieces that that I work on, it's it's always about and it's a horrible tip, but it's always about role modeling that behavior. Now, that example I gave in the in the intro, right, about don't do email on the weekends, and then your boss is doing email on the weekends. Now, whether his intention, her intention is for you to answer that email at the weekend, it, it doesn't matter. Because you're going to see it somehow, because you can't help yourself. You have a look, and it's there. And the old muscle memory comes back in that. Well, you know, if if Andy's sending an email, he 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 says he doesn't want a response, but he wants a response. And if that leader doesn't change that behaviour, he's never going to change the behaviour in that business. It, it's absolutely about showing things are important and that they matter. And as as itchy as it might make me to hug myself or all that kind of stuff, right? For a leader, you know, if you're going to do these things, I think the worst thing you could possibly do is make some grandiose announcement and then put yourself to the side of it. Sort of say, yeah, well, that's for everybody else. That's not for me. And you may mean that from a really genuine, heartfelt place, but it doesn't really matter because whatever you do is going to set the tone for everyone else. So I think you're right, mate. I think... Showing something's important is the first step. So if being if you really want to avoid burnout and stress and all that sort of stuff from your employees and you have this idea for whatever that thing may be, then you gotta do it. You gotta show it, you gotta live it, you gotta show that it matters. Otherwise it's never gonna take in. I'm also interested to see from your perspective differences in people, recognizing that diversity on a whole bunch of things not just gender and sex and all that kind of stuff but what people need so and what do you what do you sort of see today from that whole diversity perspective in making this stuff work i mean i think one of the things that i've discovered in my work so i use a lot of assessments in the work that i do i use um a, a disc for color model um I think most folks have seen DISC at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I really try to work through that, work with that through, again, the lens of kindness, a lens of compassion, um, a, a, you know, really a tool for connection both to ourselves and to others. Um, and then I use a tool also called Leadership Circle. And Leadership Circle, I think, is really interesting and in that it helps us understand um, even further our reactive tendencies and then creative competencies. And I'm, I, I'm flipping my hands up and down because it's a circle. <laughs> it's a circle. Um, and on the bottom half of the graph is our reactive tendencies. And on the top half of the graph is our creative competencies. And one of the things that I think is interesting about it is it helps us understand our uh, relationship and task balance. Okay. What's interesting about that, I find, um, is that based on the individual that I'm working with and the, the person in front of me, I can see neurodiversity show up in that and, and neurodiversity, even as far um, like anxiety, anxiety okay. can show up um, in some of this work. And if I'm sitting with someone who, who lives with anxiety, we can start to see even our own narratives and, and using a tool, this was a tool built for someone who's, who's um, 
and I would call neurotypical, it's going to be a different experience to me sitting with someone who lives with, you know, chronic anxiety. And so making space even for tools that we would say are kind of built for leaders, what leaders with with a neurodiverse, you know, mind body leaders who are, you know, who have experienced like big T, little T trauma, what, what are we working with, with the person in front of us? Um, and that even from like the, you know, from our, our brains, what, what's happening in our brains, what's happening in our bodies. And so the, uh, you know, the work that I do and what I'm continuously being exposed to is what has life experience has led us to the person that we are in this moment to the leader that we are in this moment and making space for that. So I have these tools that I sit with in front of me. And then I have a person on the other side of me who um, has a whole set of life experiences and, and I can do my best to meet them where they are. And even the tools that I, that I work with that I believe in very much. So um, are also limited um, because we've got we've got unique individuals who sit in front of us. So knowing ourselves, I think, you know, how do we how do we make space? We start to understand the intersection of our life experiences. And at my job, my my ongoing job is to realize that the person who's in front of me is so unique, and there is absolutely no way that I could fully understand any you know all that makes up the complexity of that individual. Well, I think that's I think that's fab. I think, you know, if I take a summary, we'll get to your summary in a sec, but if I take a summary out of that, I think what for me, what you've covered in this whole debate is understanding what we need as individuals, getting a better understanding of what others need as individuals in the context of this kind of stuff, and then commit to it, right? Commit to it. Show it's really important. Do some stuff, but really commit to it. It's not a them and us, it's it's an altogether piece. And I say summary. Jen, because we're already at the part in the show where we're looking to summarize all of your thoughts and insights in the area that I call sticky notes. Okay. And you would have sussed from this conversation that retention of information is a struggle for me. So what I like to try and leave my listeners with at the end of every podcast is just three bits of wisdom and advice. So in this case, if people are going to go away from here today and start to think about bringing kindness to themselves and their work colleagues um, a little more into focus. What advice would you give them that you could fit onto three little post-it notes, Jen? Start thinking about training your mind. Pause. Nice. And if one that we didn't talk about yet. Oh, throw this in there. Yeah. Go for it. Is get a little bit of feedback. So we can learn a lot from those around us, those who are invested. And this one goes a little bit into, if we are getting to know ourselves, we can take a little bit of information, right? Like getting a little bit of feedback um, from those around us can really help us understand more about ourselves. Fantastic. So you really have just nailed the summary of understand what you need, understand what others need and kind of, just take a breath, take a pause and work it all out. Brilliant. Jen, that's been a lovely conversation. I've totally calmed down from hugging myself. I may, I may even give it a go at some stage. I will let you, I will let you know. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights with us today, Jen. I really appreciate it. 
I wish you all the very best in bringing more kindness into leadership going forwards. I think it's a wonderful thing. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be here and take wonderful care of yourself. I'm sending you a high five. <laughs> yes, I'm up for the high fives. That's something <laughs> I can definitely do. Brilliant. Okay. Well, guys, that was Jen Hope. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about her or any of the things that we've talked about today, please check out the show's show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it found it interesting and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier more successful business from the inside going forward if you have please like comment and subscribe it really helps i'm andy gorham and you've been listening to the sticky from the inside podcast until next time thanks for listening